Hi, this is Aura with Catholic Girl. Today's April 5th, 2020. I'm going to just discuss the gospel reading that is read before Mass, when before the procession would begin, before Mass would begin, there's a gospel reading. And today's gospel reading is from Matthew, Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Now, every year, this rotates. So we have uh, this, we have all four gospels will speak about Jesus entering into the city. And the, the, all four of them will, um, have the different viewpoints of how Jesus entered into the city. And they rotate year to year from gospel to gospel. So this year's gospel that we will focus on is Matthew. And Matthew begins his reading with when Jesus and the disciples drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Now, Bethphage um, is a house, it means house of fig. And just prior to entering to the city, we hear Jesus talk about the fig tree. And we can find this, I like, uh, we'll just use this one. You can find this in Mark 13, verse 6. You can find this again in Mark 21, verse 29. And here, Jesus gives us a parable of the fig tree. And what he's really saying here is that this is what he, his parable is. We need to bear, bear fruit or we will be cut off will be cut down you know because if you can't bear fruit do good works then what good are you you're just taking up space in the garden um, Jesus is basically saying before he enters into his passion one last time he cries out to us in a parable to his disciples that we must bear fruit it's not just make Jesus our Lord and Savior we must also go out and do good works. We must bear fruit. Fruit, and he is the tree, right? Um, we have to bear that fruit, right? Otherwise, he's just going to cut that limb off. And I think, I think that's really symbolic here. As Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, that we hear this word, Beth. Bethphage, saying that right, which is the house of fig. We also kind of, as you look, and if you look at a map or if you've ever been to the Holy Lands, not that I have, but when I look at the videos and I, I, I study, I start to understand that when Jesus was nearing, he could see laid out before him the temple. And this great temple, and it was magnificent. It had gardens and wealth all around it. It was just ornate and gorgeous. And then if you just look to the other side, you know, if you're looking left, you see the temple. If you look right, you see a neighborhood that's in poverty. The people living in, you know, poor conditions and being unfed. But here's a wealthy, well-fed um, temple. And so we have these contrasts 
as Jesus is walking into his passion, he sees that the temple has wealth where the people do not. We're like that today. We have, we put so much value in uh, our, our appearances and our, our, our cars, our homes. We put, we put a lot of emphasis on them, making them more important than say our neighbors you know, visiting with our neighbors and how are you doing? Uh, what do you need? You know, lifting up those around us, we failed to do. We live like kings, wealthy on top of the hill, making our bodies a temple, you know, and we're decorating it lavishly. Well, our people around us, we don't lift up. We don't help them. Um, we don't elevate them. Is kind of that symbol there all right and we have to go back to that fig tree what are we doing to bear fruit are we bearing fruit here at this very opening of this gospel where Jesus is coming into his passion and, and we're gonna learn about his kingship which you know pretty much almost lasts a whole week but we're seeing Jesus say look it is not about the jewels and the gold. It is about what you are doing. What are you doing for one another? How are you serving one another? How are you loving one another? And that's all right there in the very beginning. Now, Jesus goes in, uh, and Matthew here is really good about it. Actually, all the Gospels do it. All four of the Gospels do it. And here in Matthew 21, he says, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find an ass tethered and a colt with her. Now here we're experiencing this in the New Testament. And here's where Jesus is going to fulfill that Old Testament. Now, what we're missing here is that you need to understand that this is a Passover pilgrimage. People are walking humbly towards the temple. They're offering up all that they have to the temple, right? And they're, they're bringing this homage to God, which falsely is this temple led by a corrupt um, Jewish authorities, right? So as they're making this pilgrimage, they're, they're, they're walking. Nobody is riding on anything. And Jesus has always been super humble and walked amongst the sinners. But here he kind of, he begin he not kind of, he, it does. He embraces the kingship that is his. And we have to go deep into the Old Testament to really understand Matthew here. Matthew um, is pulling from 1 Kings verse 1, or no, I'm sorry, 1 Kings chapter 1, <laughs> verse 33. And we can see that also in 30, verse 38 and verse 44. And this is when King David is dying and he has decided that he is going to pass his kingship um, to his son, Solomon. And he does this, he, he, he lets the whole kingdom know that he has chosen Solomon to be the king by giving his son a mule to ride. Solomon 
my son to ride on my mule, Solomon to ride on King David's mule. Um, and then also on verse 44, they have caused him to ride on the king's mule. That when you ride on the mule, the donkey, you are, it's a signature to all the people in that time that you are the king. <clears throat> so this is Old Testament sign of kingship. We also have other kingships here. In Zechariah 9, 9, we, we hear from a prophet. And here he prophesizes about the king that is going to come. And he says in Zechariah 9, 9, Behold, your king comes to you, humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. These are all very humble, meek means for a king to ride in um, into his kingship. But they were very big symbols during this time period. Now, when we're reading the Old Testament, we can see where they're pointing to the New Testament. Here, Matthew and Luke, John, they uh, all the four Gospels, they turn around in the New Testament and point back to these same Old Testament readings. They point back to Kings. They point back to Zechariah. They point back to the Psalms. They point back to Leviticus. Uh, I can't think of anybody else that they point back to, but we see all of and Maccabee. Don't forget Maccabees. So they, they are always pointing back to the Old Testament while the Old Testament's pointing to the New Testament. It's super important that you see that these are fulfilling one another. And in this writing, we, we see that. Again, we, we hear uh, that Jesus is being humbly, he's humble, he's riding in on an ass. And um, this is an announcement of that kingship. And in Zechariah 9, 9, we see that that kingship is going to be universal, kind of like Solomon. David's kingdom was kind of, you know, it was, it was present, but it wasn't from sea to sea. It wasn't from river to river. It, was, it wasn't as vast as Solomon's gets to be. And then we see that Jesus is universal. It's, it's worldwide. So we see even a bigger picture here being opened up. Now, Psalm 72, which is the Psalm of Solomon, uh, you get to see that Jesus, um, the, it, it's, Psalm 72 is a prayer for guidance and support for the king. So when we're reading Matthew here and we're opening up Palm Sunday, we're starting to see the theme of this kingship and we hear it loud and clear through the Psalms. We have the cloaks are next. So the, the very large crowd spreads their cloaks on the road and while others cut branches from the trees and strewed them on the road. Here again, we have an Old Testament fulfillment because when we talk about um, cloaks being spread, we see in 2 Kings 9, chapter 9, verse 13, that 
that is a symbol of recognizing a king. Um, it's, it's like saying, I submit to your authority. So the cloak is a social status, all right? In, in this period of time, it's a so, social status. So it's like having the Michael Jordan shoes or ha driving a Bentley. It, you would throw down your cloak and say, I submit to your lordship. I submit to your kingship. And so when they are coming, when Jesus is coming into the city, riding this donkey, people throw down their cloaks for, for him to pass over. We even hear that they put the cloak over the donkey then so that Jesus sit, sits on this cloak. This is a very valued item. It wouldn't be something that, that you would just throw out there. It's not like a yucky blanket. It's, it, it is a, something that they valued very much and they have given it in submission to their king. We also have the, the palms, which is, you know, why we call it Palm Sunday. And the palms are here because in 2 Maccabees, the, the temple was defiled, okay? And when it was defiled, Judas of Maccabee cleanses the temple by using the palms and they wave them high. The high priest would come in and, and, and he waved it up and he would cleanse the temple. Well, Jesus is reclaiming the temple. We hear later this in the later readings uh, this week, we're going to hear how he goes in and he cleanses the temple. He gets rid of the den of thieves, right? Because the high priests were had all these tables out and they were selling all these goods at the at the temple. And Jesus cleanses the temple. And what we really start to learn is that Jesus is going to be the new temple for the church, right? complicated reading here but we have praise and palms because of a great enemy has been crushed and this enemy is this idea of ego of selfishness uh, and so when we look at what is our temple are we you know decorating it lavishly which is usually our temple is ourselves right we we elevate ourselves, we decorate ourselves, we, we hold ourselves in high esteem, you know, often pounding our own chest and, and wanting to hear our own voice. Where Jesus himself is saying, be humble, lift up your neighbors, you know, serve your neighbors. And he's crushing that old temple inside of us. And we're getting ready to go through all these sacraments here in the Easter season and we're going to wash away or crush that temple that we've made, those false idols that we have made. And we're going to wash away all of that with our baptism or a renewal of our baptism. And then we're going to move forward to the new temple and we're going to make our bodies the temple for Christ, the temple for him to enter into through the Eucharist, right? So the first reading here, it, it's not really the first reading, it's just the gospel at the perception or, or procession. 
before the mass. This is before we enter. Because on Sunday, when we start reading all the, the first reading, the second reading, um, we're going to get into one of the longest gospel readings that I'm pretty sure the church has. And it's all given on Sunday, and that uh, Palm Sunday. And it's because we enter singing praises to God and laying it all out there. But then we realize that he's not coming to conquer our enemies, our, our wants and our desires. He's coming to conquer sin. And it is kind of not what people were thinking. They thought that he was going to ride in on a white war horse, you know, and and trample all of their enemies and and lay judgment and be victorious. But it's really he came in humbly and he said, I didn't come to conquer your enemies like you think I've come to conquer your sin that you have stored up inside of yourself. You know, the one where you're blaming everybody for, except for yourself, that one. That's what I've come to conquer. And I think all the Jewish people, they were so excited to see him, but once they start seeing that he's not there to smash the Roman Empire and you know defeat them, that actually he was there to save the sinners, to save by cleansing the temple. And we have to allow Jesus in to cleanse us of our sin. And we can only do that by recognizing the sins that we have. The Jewish authorities' greatest problem was that they, they wouldn't recognize well, they didn't recognize Christ, but they wouldn't recognize the sins that they were committing. They were so ego-driven that they were blind to what they were doing wrong. And I we're that way. We are, we are the Jewish authorities sometimes. We are so blind that, oh, I read the Bible, I go to church, but really, we're blind to our sins. We, we're, we, we've blamed the economy. We've blamed a virus. We've blamed um, everybody but ourselves for our sin. Not taking that responsibility for it. And Jesus stands so humbly and meek in front of us, almost, almost afraid to scare us doesn't want us to flinch. Don't, it's okay. Be safe. Everything's okay. Let me take this from you. Let me cleanse you from your sins. He comes in so quietly into our lives, asking, begging us to give that over to him. And that's what we got to do. That's what we got to do. Because this is his first coming that we're talking about. What we don't want to do is hold on to our pride, hold on to our ego, hold on to our sins, burying our sins, not even acknowledging our sins. And then the second coming comes. We see in Revelations 7, verse 9 
through 10. We also see in Revelations 6, verse 2. And we see in Revelations 19, verse 11, that Jesus' second coming is going to be about judgment and victory. This finalization, right? And we don't want to be He's not going to stand before us meek and humble at that judgment day. He's going to be, the revelations has like a sword in his mouth, right? And his angels at his side. And, in, and it's, it's horrific. It is uh, almost gunpoint, the judgment. And it's too late. When he pulls out the book of life, if our name is not in there, our deeds are not in there. Our fruit isn't in there. Where we have bared fruit, if it's not in there, we are cast out. We're cast into the fire. And none of us want that. That's not where our journey needs to go. Father Jacob um, at St. Mary's, uh, he had a, a, last night, he posted that, hey, we have confession all week long. I think there was confession times every day, including like a 7 a.m. one on next Saturday, um, that you can go and you can confess. Uh, it's still open to you during this um, pandemic. Uh, you can go in and confess. No more than 10 people can be in there um, waiting. And then, you know, of course, he probably has it where you need to stay at least six foot apart from each other. But... You can see Father and you can confess those sins. And I think that's a really good thing to go and do this week. Make it a priority to go do that. You can also see Father Jacob on um, YouTube. It is Jacob, J-A-C-O-B, and then his last name, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R. And he has live um, streams of the mass. And then of course it's recorded and you can watch it anytime. Uh, he needs likes and he needs you to subscribe. So, you know, go ahead and check him out. I also like, uh, visiting, uh, or listening to visiting. Yeah. It's one way. I don't know why I said visiting, but it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I like father Larry Richards. Uh, I really like father Mike. Uh, those are all really good guys. They're from back east. Uh, they're fun to listen to. They're very passionate. Uh, I enjoy them. But Father Jacob's really good too. Uh, and so is Father Eric. So, you know, tune in there to see St. Mary's uh, live streams of the Mass. Uh, and then there's also the Bishop has live streams as well. Uh, so, you know, check those out as well. Uh, so again today, just this little tiny reading, so much is packed into it, so very much. We have Jesus is the king. We have the palm branches, which are used to cleanse the temple. We have the temple um, as a symbol that Jesus is the new temple. And then finally, we have all the people recognizing that Jesus is the prophet. He is the healer. He is the king and ultimately the Savior. So I hope you have a really good week. I hope you understand the difference between a donkey and a white horse. Remember that the donkey 
is coming to, he, Jesus rides in on the donkey. He's humble and he's meek. And then we have the white horse in the, in the second coming, which would be the victory in the final war. And it's the judgment. And we want to submit ourselves and show our good fruit now while he's on the donkey versus when he's on the war horse and he's not going to come humbly and meekly to you. He's going to come ready to rage war with you. And how prepared are you to submit to him? I will also do the readings for mass tomorrow but i figured this one was just enough all by itself and complicated enough but go ahead and open it up and read it it's just the matthew 21 1 through 11. there's so many themes throughout this uh, you could you could you could spend a lot of time decoding it one of the things i forgot to tell you guys was psalms 118 which is the passover reading that Every Jewish person would have been reading during this um, pilgrim, Passover pilgrimage. And that is that alms of thanksgiving. They say, Hosanna to the Son of God. Hosanna. And Hosanna means save. I pray, save. It's like a plea at the same time. It's a praise. Now, shortly after that, Hosanna to the Son of David. So they're recognizing Jesus as the son of David, meaning he's in the bloodline of David. So it fulfills that old um, Testament uh, uh, prophecy. It, it fulfills that covenant that God has made. And But very importantly right here, I just want to point out, especially for my confirmation kids, is that it says right shortly after that, it says, Hosanna to the son of David. And then here's the part I want, to, I want you to focus on. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Guys, where did we hear that? Where do we hear that in the mass? We hear that every single mass, right? That is part of the mass. And then after we say it, we ring the bells, right? We ring the bells. And that symbolizes that God is present. So we have Palm Sunday within our Mass regularly. It happens every single Mass. We say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Meaning, save us, I pray. Save us, right? So remember that that Mass is super important. And I can't wait to celebrate Mass with you guys again. I can't wait to see your faces. And I can't wait to experience the Eucharist again. So uh, prepare yourself for that shaking. That shaking. The whole city was shaken when Jesus entered in. And the crowd screamed so loud for Jesus. Jesus is the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus is the earthquake that's shaking us right now to our foundation. And we have to respond. We need to respond. We have to bear fruit from what he's asking of us as he enters into his passion. Have we fulfilled that? And so we have this final week of reflection here in Lent as we move to Easter. And I, I ask you to 
go to confession and confess those sins. I ask that you sit down and write down your fruit. What is your, you know, what, what's going to be in the book of life for you? Is your name going to be written? And I want your name to be written. So think about it. Where am I bearing fruit in my life? And why am I not bearing fruit? Ask both ways. Anyways, I will talk to you guys tomorrow when we, we look at reading the other readings that are in Palm Sunday. But I thought we'll just cover this one here as a separate thing. All right. God bless you and I love you. I'll talk to you soon.